again? So, how many of you have Christmas traditions? I mean, I think we all have some sort of Christmas tradition that we do every year, no matter what. This is a story that's going to blow your mind. This is the best Christmas story that I've ever heard. It's a tradition that comes from Larry Uncle and his brother Roy Coletta. In 1964, Larry's brother decided that a pair of moleskin pants would be a good Christmas present. Since the pants froze in the Minnesota uh, winter, Larry regifted them the next year to his brother. So now Roy has them. Exchanging the gift for several years. So they went back and forth for several years. But there's but they're Roy. Said pants, but that, I mean Larry decides, hmm, this this is a little bit just wrapping this present up and giving them that's not fun. We're gonna make this fun. So he decided to take a three-foot piece of PVC pipe, inch and a half PVC pipe, and roll them moleskin pants as tight as he could and put them into this three-foot three piece of pipe and glue the ends on the cap on the end and then wrap it up and send it to his brother, his brother-in-law. Well, he gets them out. The next year, Larry says, right, you think that's good. So he So he, he's, then he passed them every year. They went, this went on for 25 years, 25 Christmases. So after a while, they had rules. They, they thought, we better make some ground rules. What they did could not cost them anything, and that's what's amazing about this, what they did. It could not cost them anything, and shipping had to be minimal. To get them, shipping had to be minimal. So, why? decides to send his pants back in a 600 pound safe and then he welded the door shut. <laughs> so, Larry says, you think that's funny? He sent them back and said, the pants are in the glove box. By the way, it was a three foot by three foot cube of metal. He put them in the glove box and then crushed them into a three-foot cube. It was a 1974 ground. <laughs> One. Later, Roy set the pants back in an eight-foot tire filled with 6,000 pounds of concrete with a note that says, have a good year. <laughs> The tradition ended. <laughs> Actually, the before the tradition ended, about 20 years in, they said, hey, they, they tried to make us truce and said, send them back. Let's send them back to mom. She's the one who gathers them. So, so the one broker, broker-in-law said, what he did is put them in plate glass, bulletproof plate glass, glued it together, put the pants in there, and sent them and says, after you get them out, you can send them to mom. So this went back and forth, and then suddenly, Roy said, I know what I'm gonna do. He tried to encase the pants 
in 10,000 pounds of jagged glass. But when he was making the jagged glass, it's hot, and a spark hit these 25-year-old pants, and they were torched. So then, he puts them in an urn <laughs> with a note attached. Sorry, old man, here lies the pants. An attempt to cast the pants in glass brought about the, 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 the demise of the pants at last. He was worried that his brother was going to encase him in something and send them back because his brother was very com uh, competitive. But he lost. The brother who got the ashes won, so yeah, it was ended. That's quite a tradition, isn't it? All started from a pair of unwanted pants. Unwanted pants, and they had a 25-year good time. You know, we put lights on our houses, but I'm not sure, I'm not really sure why. You know, I hope it's because Jesus is the light of the world. But my research proves, proves otherwise. You know, it's possibly, the reason is possibly that it might have some connection to the Norse god, Odin, his fondness for beer and a yule log. And I love Christmas trees. I love Christmas trees. I love putting them out. We've we got a tradition, we, the first ornament that goes on a Christmas tree is a six inch spike. To remember why I'm celebrating Christmas. I've done that ever since I've been a Christian. It's a, it was the first gift I bought when I was a Christian. A Christmas ornament I bought, and it's a six inch spike. And it hangs and nobody else sees it. I know where it is, I put it close to the store. But it's to remind me, it's the first ornament on, and it's the first ornament off. But I love Christmas trees, but how did the tradition start? You know, some said some people would say they come from old Roman mythology. Others would say 16th century Germany, or even Martin Luther started the whole thing. Much of the world takes a moment to pause this Christmas. Much of the world, people that don't believe in Christ, take a breath this time of year. They they stop and pause, even though they don't believe. Just because it's tradition. When we look at the first proclamation of, of, of Christmas that came from heaven to earth through the voices of angels speaking to the shepherds, we are reminded of the why. The why we put up Christmas trees. The why we put up nails on a tree. The why we hang Christmas lights. See, the why doing everything we do. You see, we are proclaiming peace. When the angels came, that's what they did. They proclaimed peace. But not the kind of peace that you think. Luke 2, 13 and 14 says this, and suddenly there was the angel and multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory in God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. One angel explained this good news of great joy for all people that the Messiah has been born in Bethlehem. It's important to understand, though, that the peace the angel proclaimed was not a proclamation of world peace, 
It wasn't a, a declaration of the end of strife or war. That's not what Jesus was, that's not what the angels were, were, this is what people think it means, but that's not what the angels were proclaiming. See, it was not a direct announcement that we can now all get along. That's not what they were saying. When they were proclaiming peace, they weren't saying, now you can all get along, you can get along with your neighbors, you can get along with that person that's annoying. That's probably me. It's actually much bigger and much more important than that. Though Jesus, through Jesus, the barrier of sin has been removed. Our sin has been taken away. Now we have a relationship and peace with God. That's the peace the angels are talking about. Not peace like peace on earth. Peace with God. And the peace on, on earth, Jesus brings is foremost the peace that we have with God through what Christ has done. The peace comes from faith in Jesus and the forgiveness that follows. You see, we see an example in Luke 7 when the woman washes Jesus' feet. Who, this, this, this woman lived a sinful life, verse 37 tells us. It, and then... It tells us in in uh, she it tells us in verse forty seven it says she washed Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. In verse forty eight, Jesus tells her, Your sins are forgiven. And then in verse fifty, Jesus concludes with this Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Peace with what? Peace with God. Because of the forgiveness of sins, we have peace with God. No wonder the angels proclaimed glory to God in the highest. You see, the angels declared that this peace belongs to those on whom God's favor rests. In its explanation of the passage, the, expo the expositor's Bible commentary says it like this. Those on whom God's favor rests, are the little children to whom God graciously reveals truth according to his good pleasure. It offers an example of this in Luke 10, 21, when the 72 followers whom Jesus sent out to minister returned to him with amazing stories of powers and ministry. And this is what Jesus says, directed to his Father, God. I praise you, Father, Lord, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. And then he continues, Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. The Lord's favor rests on those who receive the truth and forgiveness of Jesus. See, you have accepted Christ, so your, the favor of God rests upon you because of it. As a result, they pass. As a result, we get to pass that along to others, just as as Jesus' disciples got to pass it along to others. See, we need to pass the peace because Jesus brought us peace with God. One of the greatest response, responses we can have to this amazing news is to become proclaimers in all. The Christmas traditions, preparations, and celebrations. So everything we do this Christmas should shout, Jesus saves. 
Jesus rescued you. Every tradition you should do at Christmas should shout that. The truth is that most families experience relationship with relational pressures and difficulties during this season. Have you ever had them? Because I have. I've been back home for my family for Christmas and it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well sometimes. You see, nearly every family gathering has at least one relative who requires a little extra grace. <laughs> see, as soon as I said that, you immediately thought of that person. And if you didn't, guess what? You're that person. <laughs> so if nobody came to your mind when, when I said that, guess what? You're <laughs> the I need extra grace person. <laughs> For many families, Advent and Christmas actually bring more strife and conflict rather than less. As the ones who have received peace with God through Jesus, we have a special opportunity to proclaim peace in our families in a similar way to how the angels proclaim peace to us. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus tells us this, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You know, this passage shows us that those who count themselves to be children of God join him in the work of proclaiming his, his peace and making peace with others. Remember, peacemaking is not the same as peacekeeping. There's a difference. We've got peacemaking, peacekeeping. Most of us try and do peacekeeping, not peacemaking. When Jesus brought us peace with God, he didn't create an uneasy truce, did he? He didn't, he didn't create, could create this uneasy truce with God. He brought us back into unity and harmony with God. Jesus didn't just tolerate us. He restored us. He didn't make a way to endure being with us, you know, certainly Jesus wasn't saying, oh, now I can hang out with them because I've sent the Son, but I'll have to endure it. That's not what it's about. He made a way to be near to us and develop a love relationship with us. Toward the beginning of, the, of this year, the United Nations had 16 peace operations around the world. This is how the United Nations explains what they do in these operations. Our peacekeepers help prevent conflict to reduce human suffering, build stable and prosperous societies, and enable people to reach their full potential. See, we hope, we all hope that they're moving toward peacemaking, but peacekeeping is just preventing people from acting on the hate that's in their lives. And when you do that, it will just build back up. It tries to prevent conflict, conflict and keeps people from destroying each other. Peacemaking goes much deeper. You see, peacemaking is what God did for us through sending his son, Jesus. Peacemaking restores relationship. It brings harmony. It goes far beyond just and separating conflict and bringing restoration. Uh, restoration, and it brings restoration. Relationships and unity 
Jesus made lasting and restoration peace between us and God. There's nothing you do. You're saved. Once you've accepted him, you are saved. He is restoring you. You see, aren't, we, aren't you glad the angels didn't proclaim this? And on earth, tolerance to those whom he decided to endure. Or, aren't you glad the angels didn't proclaim this? And on earth, God puts up with those on whom he favored, his favor rests. Instead, he brought a true peace, a peace with God. See, for many of us, this Christmas season is a reminder of the lack of peace we have in our family and our lives. Many of us have conflicts with parents, children, or brothers or sisters where we just want to survive the holidays without the same old fight and antics we experienced last year and every year. Many, many of us are struggling to keep it together and to try to cling to whatever peace we can hold on to in our hearts until it's over. But there's more peace, there's, there's more for you then there's more for you this Christmas season. There's more. As sons and daughters of God, if you call yourself a son or daughter of God through Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection, you don't have to be a peacekeeper who has to try to survive the holidays. Instead, you can proclaim the good news of Jesus by being a peacemaker who lives lives, drinks, and proclaims a peace that transforms and lasts, not just for the moment, but forever. See, for example, if you decided that the only way Christmas can be a success is, to buy, to buy, is by getting everybody what they want, even though you can't afford it, you are not proclaiming peace in your life, and you're not, and the lives of others. You are guaranteeing stress, guilt, and dissatisfaction in your heart. You are fostering entitlement in the lives of your loved ones because guess what? The more you give, the more they want. You see, that's, that's a gift that just keeps taking. If you always give your children, your friends, your family what they want, they will keep taking and taking and taking. Because that's how we, we our makeup is, oh, that's not enough. We want more. If you did this this year, we want more next year. We get this entitlement uh, attitude. And then it feels more like a demand. You'll get to reap the payments and interest of those gifts for the months to come. You'll get to live stress of Christmas all year long until next year when it all starts again from the choices we make right now. Con contrast that with this. Sitting down with your family and helping them understand what you really want for Christmas, what you really want Christmas to look like and giving them realistic expectations. If your general family can only be happy if they get everything they want, you know what? Maybe you'll be doing them a favor by disappointing them. Maybe you'll be proclaiming a peace in their hearts that will last for the rest of their lives. My life is not completely, my life is not completely concerned with me. This is the attitude. This is not talking about me, by the way. 
concerned with me, consumed with me, and centered on me. That's the attitude that most people have, that they, 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 life is centered around me. Me, me, me. And do you know why they do that? Because they come out of the womb, and guess what? We make them the center of the universe. And then wonder, when they get to be teenagers, why they think they're the center of the universe. Guess what? We're the problem. Because we made them the center of our universe. What better way, what better way to do this Peacemaking tries to appease, patch together, and keep everyone satisfied or just quietly does disgruntled. You see, if you've just if you're just a peacekeeper, that's what you're doing. You're just telling people, look, just for today, can you just not say that? Can you just not do that? You're not restoring anything. What better way though to proclaim and demonstrate what he's done than to do the same in our families? Did you deserve reconciliation with God? Because I didn't. And I did nothing to get it. And neither did you. And if he can fix my brokenness, my sinfulness, he can fix anybody's. There's stories throughout the Bible. There's stories throughout your life that you have seen and take people that are so broken and so messed up and then save them and turn their whole lives around. He restored my family. Not me. Not my dad. God did that. Because he's a peace he, he's a peacekeeper. A peacemaker. Jesus brings a deeper peace. One of the dangers of, the, of, of this season is getting so caught up in tradition and so wrapped up in trying to create the idolic holidays that we forget our real mission. James 3, 17, 18 says this, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Do you hear that promise? A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. How many people are holding on to something today that they should let go and forgive somebody else? How many of us that call ourselves Christians Yet we can't forgive. How is that making peace? That's saying I deserve something, that, but they don't. I deserve forgiveness. I deserve the peace of God, but you don't. If, if there's anybody in that in your life, don't waste your time. Forgive them. Ask them. For forgiveness. This is a season we should be more concentrated, concerned, not less concerned, with proclaiming the peace of Jesus. 
We should be centered on living on the gospel with our friends and our family. We will all make connections and have conversations with people that only come around during this season. There's certain people that we only see at this time of year. They could be family members. We might only see them this time of year. Now is the time to pray for the wisdom in those connections. Now is the time to consider how we can proclaim Christ through what we say and how we act. See, I, I believe we have to act, but eventually we have to speak. Because people are going to go, why do you act like that? And you're going to have to have an answer. So just living your life as a Christian and not saying anything. There's lots of good people out there, by the way that don't profess Jesus and do good things. So if, you're, if, you, if, you, if you do things and if you go through things because of what Jesus does, eventually you're going to have to tell people the reason I can go through this, the reason I can give this away, the reason I can do this is because of what Jesus has first done for me. So there's words and action, not just words. This is a season to pray how we can interact with our friends and family. I am praying that God will show us how to first proclaim the good news of Jesus by showing us when, I, when we should speak and when we should just let things go. Now, I have learned that just because I'm right doesn't mean I'm being righteous. I struggle here. This is my struggle. This is my battle. Because I think I'm always right. Okay? And the problem is, I'm 95% right 95% of the time. So that gives me good statistics, doesn't it? So I would argue that I'm doing the right thing, but I'm not being righteous when I'm arguing. Sometimes stuff that you want to be right about, just, is it really important? <clears throat> And you hurt people's feelings. You know, I've hurt a lot of people's feelings over my 49 years. Because I have a desire to be right. But just because I want to be right, and even if I am right, it doesn't mean I'm righteous. It doesn't mean I'm acting the way God would act. Some family members and friends know how to bait us. You've been around the people, they know how to bait you into a fight. My, 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 uh, my, one of my younger brothers is good at this. And I, I bet my whole life. So when we're around, we're probably going to fight. Because he would bait me when I was, I was, I was one year older than him. And he would bait me because then he, he would lock himself in the room and I would try and punch my way through the door. And he would do it because then I got in trouble because now there's a hole in the door. Okay. But, and he would do it all the time. He knew how to bait me into getting me angry. And there's people in your family that know how to bait you to get you to argue. They'll bring up a topic. They'll talk about something that they know. They, they just want to argue because that's who they are. And they will bait you. 
and then they will bait you into an unproductive argument, or maybe even sabotage your holidays through their propensity for drama. Have you ever been around the drama people? <laughs> you know, they're going to cause drama everywhere they go because it makes them feel like they're the center of attention. And then we get pulled in. We don't have to get pulled in, folks. You don't have to be pulled into that. You can proclaim peace. See, I see it like a, a shiny, you know, that when somebody dangles that stuff in front of you, that it's like a shiny fishing lure that's dangled in front of a fish, and they're doing, oh, I've got to buy it, 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 and then they buy it. That's me, by the way. I want to argue, I want to correct, I want to fight, and I want to defend. But that is not who I am now. That's who I was before Jesus. See, but it seems like every time I like the bait, rather than changing their minds, have you ever have you ever changed anybody's minds when you bit? When you've actually been in an argument, have you ever argued anybody to Jesus? Have you ever argued anybody to Jesus? Because it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're not going to argue anybody into your point of view. Never. It's never going to work. Arguing does not work. Because as soon as you start arguing, the other person shuts off. They're not listening to you, and guess what? You're not listening to them. See? Sometimes we need to, sometimes we do need to say the hard thing. Sometimes the loving thing to do, though, is to stand up. But what is true, other times though, the righteous thing is to do is to lay down our need to be right. The loving thing is to avoid taking the bait and getting distracted with the real mission of proclaiming Jesus and sharing the love of God with everyone and anyone who is ready. Ready. That's, a, that's the key word there. Ready. See, there's a lot of people trying to bring me to Christ. A lot of people. A lot of people talk to me. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I was not ready. I was not ready. I wasn't ready and I wasn't willing to receive it. That's why a peace proclaimer needs the wisdom of heaven. You see, I'm praying that this year, you and me can proclaim this peace to our families and our friends like we've never done before. You see, sometimes people want to understand, want, want understanding and help. Sometimes they just want to hide behind an argument. I pray that God will give us the wisdom and discernment to see the differences and to not take the bait. But of being part of a family or even being a long-term friend is bumping up against you. You know, if you're in a family or you're a friend, you're going to disagree. We're going to bump each other. We're not going to agree on everything that's said. But we've got to learn to bump up against each other and not fight each other. It reminds me of these two molecules, by the way. There's a story about two molecules. They're walking down the street. One accidentally bumped into the other one and said, Oh, I'm sorry. Are you okay? The second molecule replied this in anger. No, I'm not okay. I've just lost an electron. 
The first molecule said, are you sure? The second molecule said, and said I'm positive. <laughs> if, you take, if you typically have relationship struggles during this season, remember that most people ain't born. They're not born annoying, rude, opinionated, and cruel. Despite how they act, even your cousin Dan was made in God's image. See, remember that people become annoying, rude, opinionated, angry because of what the world throws at them and how they choose to respond to it. But they were not born like that. This, the one thing we all share is brokenness. The one thing we all need is grace. A peacemaker who is working to proclaim Jesus will try to get beyond the rough exterior. A peacemaker will show mercy, remembering that even more than our opinions, everyone ultimately needs Jesus. I've never yet argued a person to Jesus, but I have loved a number of them into the kingdom. Certainly love is tough, but sometimes love is quite and just Listen and just listen. In the midst of our traditions, celebrations, and connections this season, don't forget how precious people are to God. Even the most belligerent, difficult, and draining people, and you were probably one of them, if you're not still one of them, before you met Jesus, are precious to God. So much so that Jesus came to earth so that he could also have that so they can always have peace also have peace with God being peaceful now before we can proclaim peace guess what we have to possess peace if you don't have something you can't give it away can you no one expects you to be perfect however it is difficult to proclaim the message of God's peace when we're stressed out overwhelmed and exhausted our preparation must first begin with us accepting and embracing the peace we have in God. What a rare individual it is who knows what it's like to be fully accepted for who they are, just as they are. You know that's how God accepts you, doesn't it? Don't you? God accepts you just the way you are. He didn't ask you to change before he saved you. He accepts you just the way you are. Yet that is of our very condition simply because in Jesus, God's favor now rests upon us. Despite all the talk of peace and grace in Christian circles, how few of us feel like we can receive the love of God rather than needing to work for it or prove it or prove our worthiness. In the angel's population, you see, we find nothing of our own effort to obtain peace. God, only the grace of God. See, we don't reach our Savior by going to him. Rather, in Luke 2, 11, the angel says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Unto you, you, you. He came to you. You didn't go to him. He took you just the way you were and saved you. 
And it goes on to say, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, we didn't earn his favor. His favor rests on us only because we accepted it by putting our faith in the cross. In order to be better proclaimed, better proclaim the peace of God brings to, to others this season. I encourage you to guard your own peace well. See, in order to walk and remain in peace with Jesus, in the peace that Jesus brings, we need to be disciplined in where we allow our minds to go and the things we allow ourselves to think about. Rick Warren says, it, says this, think about what you think about. Scripture tells us to do none, no less than that. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says this, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When it comes to living in peace and proclaiming peace, it's possible to lose the battle in our minds before our interaction with others has even begun. Have you ever had a fight or disagreement with a relative or a friend that took place completely in your mind? <laughs> have you ever had one then? Have you ever fought with somebody without them being there? Because I have. And I know some of you have. You, you answer, you find out, you, you discuss the whole situation, what's going to happen, because you think you know what they're going to say. And granted, we do need to sometimes prepare our hearts and minds for interactions that are sure to be challenging. However, rather than preparing to defend ourselves or fight, perhaps, perhaps our thoughts should prevail centered on how we could do it differently this time. How we can act differently this time when we approach people. The paraphrase from Isaiah 8-7 Sow the wind in your mind, and you will reap the whirlwind in your relationship. Peace proclaimers use wisdom and patience instead of jumping to conclusions or quickly misinterpreting other people's actions and intent. Peace proclaimers refuse to take offense when they feel slighted. They refuse to allow their own thoughts to turn a careless or insensitive comment into a personal attack. See, peace proclaimers won't give themselves over to a rumor or pick up an offense that is based on one side of the story or another person's retelling of the story. Peace proclaimers always hope, always believe, and always endure. When he was 63, Alvin Strait got in a disagreement with his brother Henry Strait. Separated by 240 miles, the, the two never spoke or met again for 10 years. When he was 80 years old, Henry had a stroke. When Alvin heard the news, he decided it was time to reunite with his brother before it became impossible to do so. At 73 years old though, Alvin's sight was, was too poor for him to get a driving license. So, Alvin, being Alvin, he loaded up a trailer with gasoline, camping gear, and food. And he hooked it up to the trailer, 
to the back of the ride in Gogo and set up to see Henry. At the speed, at the top speed of five miles per hour, it took Alvin straight six weeks to make that 240 mile journey from Iowa to Wisconsin in order to make peace with his brother. One month later, Henry recovered from his stroke and moved back to Iowa to be closer to his family. See, we all know that you can't make anyone change. I can't make you change, you can't make me change. You can't make anyone do much of anything. But you can proclaim peace. How far are you willing to go to share the peace you have in Jesus with the people you know? Are you willing to take the first step? Are you willing to, to stand this Christmas for peacekeeping? Alvin Strait went 240 miles on a lawnmower that took him six weeks to restore his relationship with his brother. Jesus crossed the chasm of heaven to make peace with you. Luke 2, 4 says the angels came to earth to proclaim the news of peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. In the midst of all our traditions, all our celebrations and obligations, will we put in the, in the same effort? You know, we have to do a lot of work this holiday season to get everything ready for Christmas, to put up our decorations. Are we going to put the same effort in restoring our relationships with other people and being peacemakers? Jesus came from heaven to earth to stay with you and to make peace with you. We need to understand that and drill that into our heads. He loves everybody the same. And if you are called, if you are saved, you have a responsibility, a responsibility to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have sent your son, that we can have peace with God. We ask that you increase our peace and pour out your peace to others through this season. This, this season allows us to be peacemakers, God. Allow us to keep the peace, to, to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Allow us to restore relationship, not help to tear relationships apart. <laughs> Give us the wisdom to know when to stay, keep our mouths shut, and when to open our mouths. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand.